Yeah. Okay, welcome to 3 Out of 3 Falls, a wrestling podcast where your two hosts discuss three wrestling matches, one picked by each of your hosts, and one picked by the random match generator. Not random match picker, random match generator. <laughs> Not the RMP, no. it's the RMG. The RMG, the RMG. I mean, we didn't name it, right? Should, uh, should we, but should we give it like a nickname? I don't want to incur its wrath. <laughs> so I'm a, I don't like that he even came up with that suggestion. You know, he even offered that. It's very touchy. You know, <laughs> shit. I, I've already said too much. We're afraid that we'll have to watch Ultimate Warrior versus. Oh, Skull don't, don't even, don't even say it. Don't even. <laughs> Maybe say I'll it. cut that. Maybe it, it doesn't count uh-huh. if I cut it. Anyway, my name's Joe. Hey, my name's Jason. And we're the hosts. (laughs) I feel like maybe this will be a silly one. I'm pretty excited. I like the silly ones. Last time I was all ranty. Or like had points. There's always a a bit of rant. Yeah, that's the thing when you take notes and you have like, I've got an opinion. But I like more when we're just uh, joking around. Anyway, uh, that's probably less, more fun for me and less fun for our seven to 40 listeners um oh shit is that is that what we're up to i don't know the numbers we the numbers are inaccurate but there's numbers they're not zero (laughs) perplexing but it's true Um, well if you are either one of seven or 40 uh we thank you and if this is and if this is your first time listening go to totf.tumblr.com and check out the three matches that we're going to be discussing today. Uh, and also check out some uh, previous episodes. You know, maybe you can uh, hear some rants, hear some uh, giggling, uh, hear some, you know. Some hot takes. Uh, some hot takes on some shit. And um, subscribe on iTunes or Podomatic. Someday Stitcher even. <laughs> Some it'll some happen. May... I mean, things they take a while, but they they'll happen. They happen. Some may stay. Some may say Stitcher one of these days. One of these days, we'll say, "Hey, go to Stitcher." Anyway, we want to just die. Oh, hey, this episode is going to be posted the day after SummerSlam. Ah, shit. Yeah. So we don't right now. It's before SummerSlam. We don't know what's going to happen. SummerSlam is, uh, of course, as you know, at uh, Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. A mere hop, a skip, and a jump from where I live. Uh, it's a you should good go. Fi- I know. I should go. I should go to one of the many multitude of events Yeah, one of the uh, seven on. shows that weekend. This yeah. Weekend. I actually I got uh, I took the subway home today and I got off at Atlantic Center and I saw all the SummerSlam shit and I cool. kind of just sighed to myself. But you know, Dolph uh, Ziggler you know, was thumb wrestling people in Times Square today. <laughs> was he really? Yeah. Does that's, he, that's his place on the card. Fucking hell. Thumb wrestling. No, Dolph Ziggler I heard is being repackaged. As hopefully they took our advice and they gave him some Rick Rude elements. Yeah, or they give him an eye patch and he's Snake Plissken. <laughs> well, Rick Rude elements would be good. I don't know. Do anything with him. After I saw him at that house show, I was like, yeah, Ziggler's pretty cool. I don't know why he gets. People are so. They were so hot on for Ziggler, and now they're so cold. And the way that what? people's like, no one, no one has any loyalty, in the game yeah. of wrestling thrones or whatever you know <laughs> fuck dude you just went you just went to a place with that jumble of words they go they everyone is uh shifting alliances it makes me feel weird sometimes a wrestler's just a pretty good wrestler you want good stuff for them other times they uh oof. well we got some stuff to say <laughs> well let's plow, let's note, go let's go into this right on that note Match number one! Yes, I was going to ask you to do that this time. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that this morning. How <laughs> Me saying match number one? Yeah, and then I thought about where... Why did I say it that way? And it, I think... Did we talk about the McLaughlin group? 
<laughs> oh shit! The fucking uh, the thing that they used to spoof on SNL. Yeah, that's how I know about okay. it. The SNL because I was too young to watch political punditry. But yeah, uh, PBS political punditry. Yeah. So I had to watch Dana Carvey go issue number four. You know, like. Sure. <laughs> so I was thinking, I like, I bet that's why I was going match number one or whatever. Anyway, thanks for saying match number one. It's my pick this week. Mm. It's Oscar versus Emma with Dana Brooke from NXT Takeover London, December sixteenth, twenty fifteen. Pretty recent. man. Well, the thing that struck me was that it both seemed like extremely recent but also ages ago yeah right that this uh took place just just because of the uh, the, the way that nxt felt in 2015 versus how it feels uh in 2017 i guess it does um, feel pretty different yeah although i feel like the turn the real turning point was brooklyn take over brooklyn one because we mm. were there no i'm kidding <laughs> because that was like was that the first takeover that wasn't at full sale yes yes correct and i feel bad for full sale that they don't get any takeovers now i for the the first year or two they threw them a bone they did one or two in full sale or something and now none of them are it seems like and i don't know i like people have like i have a love-hate relationship with full sale i guess as a viewer because Sometimes they're really obnoxious, but sometimes I like how they'll, how in the past they were willing to like get behind wrestlers and, and go to a four episode taping and ride it out, you know, and cheer when they probably should have cheered and deal with a squash match or a less interesting segment or a person they've never seen before, a developmental guy. And they, you know, Mm. they don't just shit on them, you know, and you know, they got very protective of them, themselves and their, their thing. And they probably, you know, they felt betrayed or something when all the takeovers left. But I don't know. There's something kind of fun about that era. But anyway, yeah, this was like the second. Was this the second takeover that was not at Full Sail? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, because then they, they did one at Full Sail with the Dusty Classic right, the first mm-hmm. time. Are they going to do the Dusty Classic this year? I will find out. Um. <laughs> Dusty Classic and in full sale, and then they went to London. Yeah. So, Joe, why did you pick this match? I picked this match because I like it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> not even alert. <laughs> that, that's not even a spoiler anymore because I said it first. Um, I picked this match because we're, we've got a, a takeover this, this weekend, right? So I've been thinking about takeovers a little bit in NXT. And Asuka is on this takeover. She's breaking records right she's versus ember moon for the second time she might lose it i don't know kind of hope she doesn't because i'm not as big on ember moon as i'm supposed to be but also you could bring oscar up whenever she's amazing right sure Um, yeah particularly in this uh in this match that we watched uh, for this episode so also i think emma's awesome um, she's in some like weird storyline now where she's in storyline purgatory, but she's tweeting hashtag give Emma a chance and like pictures of her hypothetically dating Jason Jordan, who's married and has children to get in the good graces of Kurt Angle, who like on camera says that's a dumb thing to do. And then like Mickey <laughs> James squashes her. I don't know. Like she's in a weird spot, right? Um, she yeah. was in a different sort of purgatory when she was going to be come back as Emmalina. And then they mm. just scrapped that out of nowhere. Uh, apparently, she yeah. didn't really fit the character, which is like, wouldn't you try that before you ran promos for four months? Then she got injured. She came back. She got injured. I don't know. She's. It's just been a roller coaster ride for Emma. Well, it, what's, it's even a roller coaster which... before because she was like a f- baby face in NXT and mm-hmm. created this weird character where she was like an awkward, goofy dancer and Full Sail got behind her. And NXT, they do this thing where they bring up a person, and this was especially egregious when NXT was a lot smaller, but they would bring a person up to the main roster with their like fully formed character that they developed mm. in NXT, 
when the only yeah. reason people get behind those characters in NXT is because they watch and take part in their development. Yeah. So like you can't bring Bo Dal like Bo Dallas gets over in NXT because he starts off as a baby face you're supposed to like and then people don't like him and then he gets subtly retooled over time into a person who thinks he's the biggest baby face but is a heel. Right? Sure. So when you just bring him to the main roster without that journey, I think this also is what they did with Bailey. It worked a little bit better with Bailey because she was such a big star leaving NXT and her friends yeah. all hit the main roster a year before and so people were waiting and they rocketed her to the title picture kind of, right? Um, yeah, yeah, no, totally. That made up for it. People cared about her, but now she's getting all this backlash, you know? And it's like, well, you don't have the emotional investment that you had when Bailey came up and she was a dork and then she was a lovable dork and then she was good and then she was in all these fatal four ways and triple threats that she lost during and she did the whole Sami Zayn thing, you know? Like, you have to bring these characters in not totally blank slate, but you have to kind of rewind. You can't just go from NXT to main roster and assume everyone knows who this person is and knows what their journey was. You can replay their, their journey, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So Emma gets brought up, thrown into Santino stuff, then thrown back down to NXT. She's had a, a, a hell of a time, but um, I really like Emma. I think evil Emma is badass. And well, uh, I've, I like the combination of her and Dana Brooke. Yeah. I'd, it's the I best have use a... of Dana Brooke ever. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, it's awesome. It's awesome. I like a good, like, spark plug, shitty, like, quasi-manager, like, quasi-bodyguard, quasi-like, partner in crime, uh, like, uh, situation uh, for a wrestler. And 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 Emma was fucking like, as a heel, was like pretty nasty. She was doing some nasty, really fucking like, heel shit. Yeah. She also uh, does some weird moves and stuff. She has some like Oh yeah. She just definitely. moves in most matches when she gets a chance that are outside of her standard moves, you know, like the spider thing over the ropes and the running crossbody in the corner and uh, oh, dude. her I her, popped her I popped huge I popped huge for the fucking uh Tajiri spider spot. Yeah, that's a normal That was awesome. She does that all the time. But she also does like bizarre she I feel like she just has like a wide move set and bust out weird things, but people are sleeping on it. Um, when her and Dana Brooke came out, like mm -hmm. Emma's doing that pose and Dana Brooke is just like obnoxiously flexing behind her and stuff. Like <laughs> immediately yes. I was like, there's an appeal there. Like that works better to me than Charlotte coming out and Dana Brooke there. Because when Dana Brooke is flexing mm -hmm. behind Charlotte, no one gives a shit. Yeah. But her and Emma was like they had a thing that was good. Um I guess another thing about this match that I like or a reason why I picked this was because this was Asuka before she won the title, you know. Yeah. And so this was nowadays they debut these new guys, right? Mm -hmm. And they give them they bring them out and they give them a match on a takeover. Guy debuts on TakeOver, wins match. Typically beats Almas now. Yeah, or he beat Ty Dillinger, or he beat whoever, right? Yeah, yeah. Then they come in, right? They just start beating guys. Aleister Black has not had any semblance of a storyline. He debuted... When did Aleister Black debut? WrestleMania weekend? Mm, somewhere around there. He's been there for months. He hasn't had any semblance of a storyline with anybody. He just comes out and beats up guys, which is fine. But the thing sure. about Asuka is, Asuka debuts, I forget what her debut even was. She came out, she signed stuff, she was a presence in, in Full Sail. But it built up to her, maybe she was like around, and then Dana Brooks starts a feud with her. At the takeover before this, she fights Dana Brooke. Hmm. And now she's fighting Emma, right? And yes. so we've had like three months of building Asuka up, but with story, you know? Like they showed a video package of her getting jumped by, you know what I mean? Like there's all this 
and then like Emma and Asuka or Emma and Dana Brooke are gonna ambush her but Asuka like beats the shit out of some jobber and catches them and they're like whoa you know like I don't know like there was a build to these squashes that I feel like they phone in a lot of the time now does that make sense no it does make sense I think that I think that one thing that has always worked in the world of professional wrestling is having a proper build towards an encounter uh, to have a really strong angle. Think about, you know, nowadays, I mean, we're lucky. Or even lucky a mediocre if, angle. Well, well, what I was about an to angle. say was Having an angle. Yeah, having an angle and having a buildup within that angle is like, like, we're lucky if we get sometimes, you know, three or four weeks of build around an angle. Yeah. Now, you know, leading into even major pay-per-view situations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think about something where, you know, this encounter, it's, what'd you say, roughly two and a half, three months or so? So in October, they probably, they debuted Asuka probably sometime after TakeOver Brooklyn, which was in August. Sure. They had the TakeOver in October that she fought mm-hmm. Dana Brooke at. And that yeah. was part of this same storyline. Now she's fighting yeah. Emma, Dana Brooks' pal, in mm-hmm. December. So let's say three months at least, right? And yeah. I think it does a lot more for the person being enhanced, you know? Like, sure. So obviously this storyline is to build up Asuka. Get her some wins. Get her some fights under her belt in the WWE sure. and build interest before she can start moving up to the main event or say competing in number one contenders matches or whatever. Right. Sure. Building credibility, establishing the character. Yeah. Alistair black or whoever beating Almas doesn't do much for either guy to me, but Oscar beating Dana Brooke. And this is going to sound totally insane because like Almas is a famous wrestler and Dana Brooke is Dana Brooke. But Asuka beating Dana Brooke with three weeks of buildup and Dana Brooke going, this is my place, you suck, blah, 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 and them being shitty heels and fucking with Asuka when she's in the ring with Regal or whatever. Yeah. That does more for Asuka and it does more for Dana Brooke. Oh, yeah. Then I mean, definitely. This I mean, match the with Emma is... does more, way more, does like triple duty for Asuka and for Emma. Yeah. You know? No, I mean, I think that... That's the thing with this match is that Asuka goes over in the match, but in a losing effort, both Emma and Dana Brooke still look strong in their individual roles. And Dana Brooke and Emma look like they could potentially, you know, if they cheated in the proper way, uh, that they could have won that match. Really? Yeah, they fuck up their cheating. And Asuka is, like, indomitable, but Emma holds her own, you know? Yeah. She she She's in situations where she could have tapped and she holds out. Like, Emma doesn't look bad in this match at all. She looks somewhat outclassed for some of it because Asuka's so good. Like, the whole time, you're like, Asuka's so good. But Emma but also, is, like, devious but... and cool, too, you know? Like, it's not selling well, her short. Well, the thing is, is that in this situation, Asuka technically had to beat two competitors yeah yeah but so it's I, like it doesn't make but not in a way that makes them look like twerps no no they just look like they just look devious they look cool yeah yeah um no uh, there there was one move that was in the match that completely made me want to throw up though oh, and throw up move. in a way where no not a bad move like just a move that legitimately looks like it fucking hurts and it was whenever asuka was in the corner and a lot a lot of women women wrestlers tend to do this kind of move asuka was in the corner uh she was laying in the corner and emma just propelled her body just that's completely the, the just corner like cross smashed that's what that's called the emma might sandwich or it was oh when my she God. was a face that's a that's a signature oh. move from emma Good the running Lord. low cross body to the person prone oh, in the corner. I yeah. was Stan, Emma does was, that every match. Oh my god, that looked fucking brutal. Yeah, it, it did look brutal. You know, it looked it, especially brutal in this match. 
Well, you know how, like, in the late 90s, uh, Goldberg would spear someone, and you would swear yeah. that you saw, like, bit a bit of small intestine, like, come yeah. out of a dude's mouth or something like that. That's what, that's what seeing that made me want to do. Like I was like, oh shit! Did it? Did a little bit of small intestine come up out of out of my mouth? Uh, because that looked like it fucking hurt. Well, hurt you know, not to badly. sound like a uh, total internet dweeb, but um, I, most Oscar matches are relatively snug. Yeah, and I feel like you know wrestlers, a lot of wrestlers, can hang with that, right? Like I thought yeah. Emma was hanging here because Oscar, a lot of Oscar's kicks. Yikes! Oh, dude, they were they were Yikes. rough. But Emma yeah. did not seem like she was like she's. I wrestlers talk about how you got to give back when someone stiffs you a bit, but I feel like oh yeah, you got like to give them a there's like a nasty yeah you got to give them a receipt. But sometimes people like will be dumb about it and give a receipt and but be haughty or like shitty about it. But I feel like sure. some the good wrestlers will give a receipt and then they like are like okay. Everyone's okay. They're like, we're going to be a little stiff. That's fine. We can both roll. Sure. Um, yeah. I will say that the uh, last episode, I talked about Naomi's rear end at the house show <laughs> being <laughs> yeah. an amazing... The ass, the ass blast. Yeah. I normally hate that move, and I hate butt-based offense. And that in person, her hitting Carmella in the face with, with her butt was out of control. It looked brutal. The best ass-based offense I've ever seen in my life. Now, I must have forgotten the flying hip check off the top, uh, off the apron to Emma on the floor oh. in in oh, the yeah, first dude. third of this match. It looked insane. Oh yeah, Oscar. I forgot Oscar does all of those butt moves, but uh, <laughs> it was just butt to face. It was wild, and it looked brutal. <laughs> right? Yeah, it did. It fucking looked brutal. This is a wrestling insane. podcast. We can say butt to face. <laughs> yeah, but there folks, was all sorts uh... of crazy. There was all there was all sorts of cool moves in this match, and um, the the I also feel like this is the opener. So this is a rare occasion we have, and I think looking back, it's like wow, they really love Asuka immediately WWE because yeah it's rare on a main roster three hour pay-per-view to get two women's matches with a pre-show nxt yeah. takeovers are roughly two hours and we Correct. get two women's matches and this match yeah. is not short it's like 14 15 minutes right yeah but it's not super long so i like that there's a second this is a the opener and they are confident enough that these women will perform to the level that will get the crowd riled up, and the crowd is fucking riled up. Well, yeah, well, the crowd was already fucking like severely yeah. riled up, but whenever but they, they went into, whenever they went into the finishing sequence, exactly, that's what I'm getting at. It was, it was fucking crazy. So the finishing sequence is also a thing that, in if this were the main event, they could have milked that sequence out, it slowed it down, and had it run for six, seven minutes, eight minutes. It, I feel like oh, it shit. all happens within three minutes. A lot of things happen. There's a lot of beats to the story, right? Emma sure. dodges a kick. She gets tosses, tossed a foreign object. Asuka gets in, and the heels blame her when the ref gets up and sees Asuka hold the, pick up the object, right? And then there's a mm -hmm. pin, and then there's one, two, and then, oh, there's Asuka lock, and the crowd goes crazy, and then Dana distracts while Emma taps. You know what I mean? Like, there's all these things going. I mean, it goes back. Oh, yeah. It's like... Uh, beat, beat, I story thought, beat, story beat. But it, it's I like super for, economical. I thought for like a good 20 seconds that Emma was going to steal it. I knew, yeah. I knew that Oscar was going to win, but there was like, whenever they pulled that shit, whenever she tapped, whenever yeah. the ref wasn't looking, I was like, oh shit, Emma's going to yeah. fucking steal this one somehow. Are they going to get a DQ or something weird? Yeah. I'd already seen the match. I knew what happened. But for yeah. in that moment, you're like, whoa! Like, it's good enough that it draws you back in. But I just also yeah. like the economy of it because they're like, hey, do this, like, protracted sort of story-based finish that builds all this drama. But each step of the drama building happens in 20, 10 seconds instead of a minute. Like, 
think about sure. a ma- a boring WCW main event where that someone tosses a guy, an NWO guy, a bat, and then he like walks around and poses, and then the ref slowly gets up. You have that bat? No, they act. The guy takes the bat. You know what I mean? Like snore. Yeah, fest. yeah. Like all these things happen really quick. I really like that. This yeah, is no, neat. it was great. It was a good pick. It was an awesome pick. I'm glad you liked watching this maybe for the second time. It was good. It was you know awesome. What also is uh, cool, it's believable, especially at the length it is, but Asuka yeah. is, I forget that her posing and her mannerisms and her outfits are just as bizarre and neat as Nakamura's. Probably more so. Like, everyone focuses on how Nakamura is this weird, quirky artist. But, like, Asuka is too. Like... Asuka's posing and mannerisms are so fucking weird. Maybe it's because we we aren't Japanese, right? But like the way she struts around the ring and howls to the crowd and stuff, it's hilarious. Yeah, no, this was this was a great pick. Hey, what was uh your pick this week? Oh, you mean match number two? <laughs> yes, yes, I do mean that. <laughs> Uh, match number two uh, this week is Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Bret the Hitman Hart in a submission match from WrestleMania 13, March 23rd, 1997. So this match... Uh, this is I a think... super famous match, right? Oh, this is a super fucking famous match. Um, there's two things that I want to discuss in this and one harkens back to the match that we just discussed and one is a topic that we've never really discussed before Ooh, can i make a guess at what that topic is before you say it sure ken shamrock's shiny skin tight ref shirt with sleeveless (laughs) ref shirt where did he get that thing (laughs) with like the henley collar like the three buttons I think he got the it at fuck the is world. That? I think he got it at the world's most dangerous man men's store. I <laughs> It's the it's may it might be the dumbest shirt I've ever seen. Yeah. He looks yeah, like well, a stripper. <laughs> well, well like it's, if it's, there was like a stripper who was yeah. trying to be a baseball umpire or something. Yeah. I don't it's it's totally bizarre. It's it's like what is that material that shiny like lycra or something. Poly, polyester? Yeah. It's like glycerin. polyester. And it's well, you know totally what? skin I, tight. I just had an idea. that I Well, I just had a thought that if Ken Shamrock in that outfit were a stripper and his gimmick was that he was a uh, baseball-related person, that he would be called Two Balls, One Strike. <laughs> he should come back to wrestling as Two Balls, One Strike. <laughs> well, I think he needs to get over his... Uh, drug addiction problems first apparently like he was very fond of smoking crack with uh two cold scorpio oh uh, back when he was too cold scorpio (laughs) yeah let's talk about that later (laughs) that is one of my favorite things in the world but we'll get to it not the crack part i don't like that part but the one Uh, so the two things i wanted to talk about in uh discussing this match yeah uh was one is uh, the use of a proper build. Oh, to, yeah. uh, this is... Fuck, man. This is probably about a nine-month build because this really started in the summer of 1996. Uh, Bret Hart had taken some time off. He was actually contemplating going to WCW. Wait, the uh, summer of 96. When would you say that starts? I would say that starts in May. Like, like right late after... May? Sometime in late May? Sometime around the King of the Ring tournament qualifiers? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck, man. You're uh... taking us back to a time we've gone back to many, you know. <laughs> now I'm in my comfort zone. Okay, okay, yeah. I get it. I okay. can envision that okay. time period. So, but, uh, well, that's, that's actually apt because... You know, that King of the Ring that year, 96, was won by Stone Cold Steve Austin. Automatically, you know, he's being pushed as a hardcore, higher mid-card... Bad guy. Villain. villain. And 
Bret Hart had taken some time off. Uh, he was at, he was negotiating, contemplating going to WCW at the time. He was originally supposed to be the third man in the NWO, but instead he re-signed with the WWF, and Stone Cold kind of took offense to Bret Hart, you know, kind of having a laissez-faire attitude about, you know, coming back to the WWF. You know, he was kind of like, this guy can come and go as In he pleases. Yeah, in storyline, he was like, you know, this guy can come and go as he pleases. One of the famous things that he uh, said was, you know, you put the letter S in front of Hitman, and you know, that's the uh, <laughs> those are that's what I think about Bret Hart. Um, basically, just goading him and really brought Bret back. Bret's return bout in 1996 uh, was at the Survivor Series against uh, Steve Austin. Uh, which Stone Cold wasn't the Stone Cold character wasn't really there just yet. Like he was still, you know, the stunner wasn't completely over uh, just yet. He would still kind of rely on the million dollar dream due to his association with million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. But over the course of uh, the following uh, five months or so, this really became a shit hot feud culminating in the Royal Rumble 1997 where Stone Cold was the fucking workhorse of that match and he uh, through sneaky villainous tactics uh, ended up winning the uh, Royal Rumble 1997 even though he had already been eliminated (laughs) Uh, so he kind of stole you know this was as as the winners of the Royal Rumble uh, received now uh, the winner won the right to a world championship match at WrestleMania. Uh, so Stone Cold stole that, and Bret Hart saw it as it being stolen from him because he wanted to, you know, reclaim the championship after losing it to Shawn Michaels in that Iron Man match mm-hmm. at WrestleMania 12 in '96. So basically, neither of them end up in the championship match. Instead, they are placed in a really intense submissions match submission match. Like this is kind of built up where, you know, they've, they've been beating the shit out of each other and really trying to get at each other. And, you know, uh, it's culminating winning is not enough. They want to make the other guy give up. They really like, this is, this is really, this is supposed to quit. This is supposed to be fucking but not by saying it's, I it's, quit. It's dual purpose because it's a way to get Ken Shamrock, your favorite, uh, your favorite stripper, uh, into the uh, WWF picture uh, because this yeah, is his this first is his appearance. first thing, right? That's why he didn't have any music. His music was super weird. Yeah, this is his first appearance, and also it's a way to do the second topic that I want to discuss, which is the rarely implemented and rarely pulled off completely 100% correctly double turn you know I knew going into this match that it was famous and I was like oh I think this is the double turn yeah it is and I was watching it and everyone talks about how this is a double turn this is probably the first time I watched it since it happened and here's the thing about it being a double turn and I have more to say about this later and you obviously do too but I would say really quickly, they come out, both of them are evenly cheered and booed, I think. And throughout oh, the match, yeah. they're evenly cheered and booed. And at the end, they're evenly cheered and booed. Yeah. So what makes it a double turn? I think Not, that, that was what, a that was a rhetorical question because I was going to answer it. Okay, okay now go ahead well, and answer it. Well, here's, here's the thing. It's a storyline double turn because of the way that it's not out of nowhere. It's not Bret Hart coming in as a good guy and then all of a sudden turning bad, right? No. And it's not Stone Cold coming in as Bret a Hart's bad guy and walking out good. Yeah. They both yeah. they their characters remain consistent, but the, it's a subtle shift. And the commentary yeah. really sells that shift. Not yeah, a, totally. like very strongly, but not obnoxiously. And it's believable because the characters the shift in the characters is subtle enough. And you watched it play out in a realistic 
fashion in front of you in the ring, right? Yeah. So my related semi-rant that I'm going to go through really quick to that is I feel like <laughs> wrestling fans and WWE staff say all the time, like, oh, the fans dictate this and that. You know what I mean? Like the fans, you know, when people bitch about Roman Reigns in a heel turn or whatever, or John Cena, you know, the fans, they really guide how things are going and you can't just turn like if you with the right build and the right performers, the commentary can sell anything. Because Bret Hart left and, you know, half the crowd is children still cheering for him because they don't buy that he totally turned, right? But the commentary is saying, what a transformation. (laughs) And man, the guts that Stone Cold Steve Austin has. You know what I mean? Like, they, you can sell any fucking story you want if you put the work in. And they put the work in, you know? I forgot yeah. how great self-righteous pissed off Brett was and that video package of him cursing and throwing McMahon around and being pissed oh, off. Oh, fuck yeah. He looks like a fucking villain in that video package, you know? Yeah. And Stone yeah. Cold is a villain, but he already has that. He doesn't have quite the redneck twang, twang to it, but he has no. that anti-authoritarian, I'm going to give you the finger thing that the that type of fan was already coming a lot around to a lot of guys in the in the crowd are cheering him so like oh yeah they both go in and come out the same character it's just that the focus has shifted on each yes of them. it's that subtle shift which is that it's and great. that's the th- that's the thing that i think works best with a double turn because it has to be positioned just right because if if either performer goes a little too strong, then everything can get completely off kilter. Uh, the only previous double turn like attempt that I can think of is at Survivor Series 1988, when the powers of pain, war uh, the warlord and the barbarian yeah. were babyface uh, tag team. And they really? were feuding. Yeah, they originally came in as baby faces. That's totally uh, bizarre. A guy called the Warlord. Oh yeah, totally. And the Barbarian. Uh, yeah, but they were feuding with Demolition, who were oh. managed by Miss by Mr. Fuji. Yep. And over the course of their Survivor Series match, they they attempted a double turn, but it didn't really go off correctly because you actually thought that Mr. Fuji turned on Demolition. And was turning into a baby face and aligning himself with. Oh, people thought pain. it was a Mr. Fuji turn into yeah, a face. They thought that, yeah, they thought that that was the turn because everyone was really confused. Everyone was really cheering really loudly whenever the powers of pain like hoisted Mr. Fuji up on their shoulders. Yeah, they're like, hey, uh, and the good guys got Mr. Because everyone loved Mr. Fuji. Well, they hated him, but you it love was. to hate him. Yeah, you love to hate him, but it would also. He would probably be just as dastardly or even better as like a sneaky dastardly baby face you know yeah, but okay. there wasn't there Comedic was too much dastardly. you know like loud loud action you know like how we talk about pro wrestling is kind of like theater how every movement has to be very large i think that in a double turn every move doesn't have to be large like that's the problem with the demolition powers of pain turn yeah. double turn. It's it's a little too large. Well, I feel like this, you can also this... layer smaller, more subtle things throughout a match, and the 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 cumulative effect is large. Yeah, and and you don't need the really broad strokes, short term to sell the thing. True. By the way, I have written Warlord in my notes. And I'm amazed that you brought up the Warlord because I was going to bring up the Warlord. Oh, shit. How are you going to bring up the Warlord? Stone Cold Steve Austin's face covered in blood. He kind of looks like the Warlord. Oh, yeah, he does, actually. Like, not at the end of the match, but, like, during the match while he's bloody. He looks like yeah. maybe, like, a little, like, a, a, a skinnier Warlord. A mini Warlord. Yeah, it was crazy. I was like, oh, he kind of looks like the Warlord. And then he brought him up. I was like, wow. Is he reading my notes? <laughs> Uh, possibly, you yeah. know, I think that I might have psychic, uh, skyping, skyping abilities or something like that. But, you know, those, 
the, those are the two main topics that I wanted to bring up. I mean, of course, this match is great. It it does a little bit of everything. You know, I think that one one parallel that I just thought of while we were discussing the first match was how snug this match actually is. Yeah. The they Bret really Hart are... and Stone Cold match, they're really fucking snug on this match. And it's pretty, like, I forgot how intense yeah. Bret Hart is in the ring. Like, because I think so that this good, is, right? yeah, this is like this, this is the first solo Bret Hart match that we've discussed. We had only we had previously discussed a Hart Foundation match. Yeah. But him as a solo performer, particularly in '97, when he was like fucking in his prime, he's a fucking fantastic wrestler. And Stone Cold is right there with him. Like they put on a beautiful match. There's it was also awesome. all these neat parallels between them. Like they go outside really quick, and Brett throws Stone Cold into the ring post, and then they go out through the crowd. And then they come back, and Stone Cold throws Brett into the stairs. But around that, Brett does a driving uh, elbow to Stone Cold off of the the barricade. Yeah, and off of the Stone barricade. Stone Cold does a driving forearm, maybe off the apron or something, uh, yeah. to Brett right after. So they're doing similar moves in similar spots like layered yeah. in this really cool way. And they both, by the way, I think maybe the mark of a brilliant wrestler besides, you know, crisp moves and storytelling ability and embodiment of character. Both of these guys embody their characters so great. Like I'm I love how Stone Cold remembers to flip the bird before certain moves and it looks hilarious, you know what I mean? Oh, and Bret yeah, Hart's totally. just like like entitled, nasty, like just sick of everything is embodied in all of his moves and he's just like I'm the fucking best and I know it you people are yeah. idiots for not realizing this yeah um they also both drive an elbow like nobody's fucking business oh fuck yes they do off of the most dangerous rope the second the rope. second rope both of them do driving elbows off the second rope into the ring that are mm -hmm. crisp and in just the I was like man that's how you know that a wrestler is good. A picture-perfect driving elbow. Oh, fuck yeah. No, it's hey, great. Here's the thing. I have a couple more things that I want to say to you about this match. Okay, what do you got for you. me? Specifically um, me. Who else would you be talking to? <laughs> reminded me of oh. a match you picked in the past. Tully do Blanchard tell. versus Magnum TA. Fuck yeah. Didn't it? Fuck yeah, dude. It's a yeah, grudge match. Yeah. Yeah, they, they immediately dive in. You believe yeah. that these guys hate each other's guts, right? Oh, and then yeah. they, the, it's more of a technical wrestling match than that one was. But there's the busting open, and the grinding and the wound. You know? Oh yeah, 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 dude, that's and, awesome. And, and that match ends with that's an I quit match, right? Yes, it is. So that match is somewhat similar. The guy's got to quit. And this match, Stone Cold passes out. Yeah, well, I mean, but, they don't want to. They don't want to kill Stone Cold with momentum. They still, yeah. you know, they want to keep him strong. But it's like it's the most graceful way in which he could lose. Yeah. So there, I I was like, oh wow, this reminds me of that match. The believability of it. I also like how you've got major star Ken Shamrock in there, right? And oh, yeah. at this point, you don't know he's just going to become a regular WWE wrestler. And yeah. he fades to the back really quickly. You forget he's there, mm -hmm. right? That's yeah. how good Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin are. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Ken Shamrock only shows up when he needs to, and that's at the end to do that uh, maneuver on Bret Hart yeah. after he's attacking Stone Cold. Yeah. All the, there's too many good moves to talk about, too. But I, one thing I want to talk about, um, it wouldn't be me talking about a match on this podcast if I didn't bring up the commentary and we talked about kind of how the commentary sells them at the end, but the King is talking shit about Bret Hart all the time, which makes me think that Bret Hart is the, the f face, the good guy to the King. Sure. But, um, and the King's actually really good in this match. He's audibly disgusted with Austin's bloody head. By the way, was that a, oh. the hard way? 
Oh, no. Yeah, it didn't look like it. It looked like there was a line out of which blood gushed. Yeah, okay. there was. But uh, there's a, there's one point where uh, King is talking shit about Hart. They show, like, the crowd, the camera cuts to Bret Hart's daughter. And the King, and she's, like, got her hands over her face crying. And the mm-hmm. King cackles at that sight. And he goes... Uh, she's been instructed to cover her ugly face. <laughs> this is like a seven-year-old girl or something. <laughs> it was brutal. I was like, holy shit. The king is really mean to Bret Hart. Did he, I was like, does he really not like him? He's talked so much shit about the hearts in this match. I mean, they, I mean, the fucked up thing, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, were you, do you remember their feud in the, early 90s yeah you know what i forget a lot of it because i forget you know bret hart goes on to so when does when is the montreal screwdrop what year is that 97 that's the end of this year Mm-hmm. so november in between the time that this match takes place and then Mark. yeah we get the new heart foundation we get yeah. brian pillman's ankle no he had done that before this because they call that out right yeah Um, but we get the we get the 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 faction the the first faction war between the heart foundation and the nation and dx oh yeah we get so much crazy heel bret hart stuff that i kind of forget the build to this match it's kind of overshadowed in my mind by all that stuff and the montreal screw job not not rightly not justly, you know, like I don't, I don't think that stuff is necessarily better. Um, it probably sure. is not, but, um, the video package of this, I was like, wow, I forgot about not fully healed, but self-righteous and pissed off Brett cursing and throwing Vince around and shit, you know? Oh yeah, dude. It's really cool. Yeah. And no, um, it's, it's, it's crazy. And the thing, the thing that really, the thing that really annoys me is this was supposed to be match two out of three between Stone Cold and Bret Hart. Oh, and there because the original main event for WrestleMania 14 was going to be Bret Hart was going to drop the belt to Stone Cold. Oh, cool! But he instead, was keep the belt through the through Montreal. Yeah, he was going to keep it through Montreal uh, and all the, all that together. stuff. Yeah, Damn, build man. the Stone Cold. Again. That would have been awesome. They're yeah. so good together yeah yeah um, and it would it, and it would have been huge it would have been like completely insane because the can the the canada shit would have been completely over the top oh yeah like it, it would have gotten way way worse and stone cold would have again like as an ass-kicking southerner would have been like that yeah kind of like that kind of patriot a hero that yeah. Vince always loves, but like a that not as blatant, but not tote, but not as blatant. He's not a fucking flag not waving dude. He's he's a Budweiser drinker, Steve yeah, Weiser. That would have been drinker. That would have been that would have been neat. Yeah. Um, one more real quick note: the stunner you brought up. I didn't know that at this point it wasn't super over, but um, what I did notice is that two things one because of the structure of the match as a submission match they can bust out a stone cold stunner halfway through the match oh yeah totally it's not the end and i was like oh yeah that's really neat use like anyone else i feel like most bookers for this match would be like oh well obviously he can't stun the guy until the end but yeah no they're like oh we can do the stunner in the middle and create some drama around that the other thing is yeah does he stun at the end a skinny mike young mike kyoto I think he does. That, I think he that, does. Is that not yet senior official Mike Kyoto that comes in to yeah. check on him when Shamrock that inexplicably is... leaves? They have a real ref there. Yeah, I think that's junior. That's junior referee Mike Kyoto. Just to get stunned. I love that. That was pretty yeah. great. The angry yeah, stun I... of the ref helping on him. It well, cements the thing is... that Stone Cold is the same guy. He's just yeah. you know, now he's on like now you agree with him a little bit more than you did before or something. Yeah. I know. I think that, I think that the thing with the stunner is that no one had really 
locked in to how to sell that move just yet. Because mm-hmm. people people would typically before this kind of just like clutch at their throat, you yeah. know, like uh, like I'm choking. Yeah. Like it wasn't like you know they like Vince. Stunned. Like it wouldn't be like Vince convulsing or yeah. the way that that ref, uh, junior referee Mike Kyoto, sold that stunner. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like it through through the next you know two three months after this match in late March, the stunner started to get way more over. Yeah, way more over. Yep, great move. Anyway, good pick, man. This is I. You know, you you. I've said this before. You often pick matches where I'm like, oh, that's a super famous match. But uh, sometimes you just love. I mean, there's you can't deny them, you know. Oh yeah, totally. I was I was on vacation mm-hmm. and I had a couple of drinks and you had asked me what my pick was. We were going back and forth and I was like, "Fuck it, I want to watch Stone Cold and uh, Bret nice. Hart." Also, that gave me awesome. an idea for what my next pick is going to be. It gave me one for mine as well. What if it's the same match? What would we do? We probably just one of us to pick a different match. Um, so you want to go into match number three? And do you want to do the match number three? Match number three! I love it. This is the random match generators pick this week. It's I'm So I'm going to read it as it <laughs> displays on the screen on the WWE Network. Oh, yeah. And then I'm going to explain my thought process. Go okay, for it. It's Mikey Whipwreck versus Two Gold Scorpio <laughs> from ECW Hardcore TV 141, January 2nd, 1996. Now, this match, bear with me here, it is for the ECW Television Championship and both ECW Tag Team Championships belts correct it is for three belts yeah it is a singles match where one man has three belts (laughs) one man okay one man is the television champion and one half of the tag team champions to cold scorpio his normal name is two cold scorpio that here he now he is called two gold scorpio which i was so confused i thought it was a typo on the network and then i saw what was happening he's wearing a belt and holding up two belts and i started i started laughing hysterically i couldn't believe it oh yeah and oh yeah he's just I mean, like this so is... cocky and hilarious two gold oh, scorpio man. makes me so I happy mean, i mean this is quintessential poly booking like ECW, like whenever you really try to break down ECW, yeah. which we've tried to do a couple of times on this podcast, but not particularly this era ECW. No, I don't know a lot about this era. ECW is completely fucking insane. Like yeah. it's absurd. It's completely absurd. So it, some it of the background makes... here is that oh my gosh. we I don't know from watching this match who two gold two cold two gold. <laughs> Who Scorpio's former tag team partner was that he now holds both belts and puts them both on the line. He lays three belts down in front of Mikey Whipwreck. Too Cold Scorpio is like, he's not a small guy, but he's a high flying like dude whose gimmick is sort of like funky black guy. At least that's what his gimmick was in WWE in the in WWF <laughs> in the 90s, right? Because they don't know well, what to do he... with a guy named Too Cold yeah. Scorpio. No, I, I, he was originally brought in to WCW in 1992 by your boy, Ron Simmons. Yeah. On a Clash of the Champions, uh, where he was famous for doing the 450 splash. Yes, and he, he – okay. He, there's a movement that wrestlers do when they call for the 450 splash, a flippy move, and they like hold their hands up by their head – and they spin their fingers around, you know, like something's ro- like he's going to go up and f- do a flip move. And in this match, he does that movement, like calling for his famous move, I don't know, 30 times and never yeah, does third, it. Yeah, 30 fucking times. a time. plethora of other moves, some off the top oh, rope, yeah. some not off the yeah. top rope. But he never yeah. does that move that he does the call for the signal for about 30 times. Mikey Whipwreck yeah. is... A dude from the comic shop down the street in 1989, (laughs) 
but with like wrestling sh boots or shoes on and some knee pads over his sweatpants and he has a baller or a really killer dragon t-shirt like a knight fighting a dragon and oh, that yeah, was dude. that was his like selling point his he was like well, oh he's the guy in the he, dragon shirt and also uh, his other selling point was his actual selling like oh, he yeah. sells like he's fucking dead Yes, he like, also is he a cool wrestler. Looks... He does cool moves and shit. He did high flying stuff. He was a yeah, he you know, did. he was kind of like a low key workhorse. I don't know if he was always like the guy that you would say is the, like the crispest technical wrestler or whatever. But I never, I always liked Mikey Whipwreck. I was like that guy's, he's neat and he's like super ECW. You know what I mean? When they, oh yeah, he he's was quite, in he's WCW quintessential while, ECW. Right? Yeah, he was. It didn't fit in, but so yeah, no. Mikey Whipwreck's here and. This match, I'm pretty sure, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure the ref, or the ring announcer, says it has a one-hour time limit. <laughs> Holy shit! I so didn't hear that, but fucking one-hour time limit? Yeah. So everything Damn. is ex extremely stupid in this match from the start, but in like a really fun, neat way. Scorpio always seems like a baby face to me, at least that's what I think he was in WWF. He is like a really obnoxious here. Uh, heel. Oh, he's bad. he's a total he's bad guy here. Well, the um, thing is, is that the thing is, is that in this match, it is the kind of the layout of the matches: spot, rest, spot, and Scorpio is completely maybe wiping the first half. Matt. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's then Scorpio it goes into a different rhythm of of. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a different fucking rhythm that happens. I'll what let Joe go on? into that, uh, but the. The main thing is that Scorpio keeps landing all these like crazy fucking moves, just completely destroying Mikey, and he keeps picking him up because, and it, you know he he won't get the three because he's such a dick. Do you know what he just this reminds me doing of? Doing fucking moves. What does it remind you of? Blatt, your your match from last episode, Jerry Lynn RVD. RVD is not oh, being explicitly <laughs> a heel, but he continually finds the need to pick Jerry Lynn up and start doing another move. Well, but do you know what it? Do you know what it goes back to? Is that the like fucking cock, the cockiness? The cockiness at is this, this like time. Is this booking in a nutshell? Like, it yeah. is insane how Scorpio. Scorpio, okay, I I didn't make like a uh, a, a a full list, but he does all sorts of crazy shit, right? Um, yeah. He does a tombstone pile driver, which we talked about. Random people pulling out. Who pulled out a tombstone? Steve Mongo McMichael? Yes, yeah, Steve Mongo McMichael yeah. did. And so I found out that in WCW, like Dean Malenko did the tombstone. Did we talk about that? Oh, we did not talk about that, but that's a really short dude to be doing a fucking uh, yeah. tombstone. Also, fucking Too Cold, Too Cold Scorpio did the tombstone pile driver to Taz and broke his fucking neck. Oh, God. And then he gets to do it to Mikey Whiprock? So I'm yeah. like, two gold gets to do a tombstone, a moonsault, uh, two power bombs, a big scoop slam, uh, another, wait, uh, the Scorpio drop, which is the craziest move I've seen in forever. <laughs> He's, it's like an insane, it's like a 450 splat, uh, leg drop. I was like, how did his leg not snap in half? It was uh, out at, the Scorpio drop was mind-blowing he yeah. does a super kick and then spits on him he crotches yeah. him i think he nut kicks him <laughs> earlier then he crotches him then he does an uh he he does like a flip like a moonsault onto a ref then he super kicks oh, mikey yeah. again oh yeah wait a minute the fucking spot to the ref fucking i thought I... he was gonna land on both of them oh dude i cracked up yeah. Whenever that shit happened, because I was like, this, this is really, this is quintessential ECW. Yeah. Right here. This is just quintessential fucking ECW. Then he gets up to do a flip and he does, here's what I called the move. What? What the fuck? I don't even know what the move, I don't remember what it was. I was just so perplexed. Then he does a weird <laughs> backbreaker and another powerbomb. And then yeah. Cactus Jack runs in. In his fucking insane sweater. Does a DD his double underhook DDT to Scorpio, drapes Mikey over him. Mikey Whipwreck wins all the belts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm I'm real I'm semi convinced. 
I wrote this in my notes, so it's not just because you told me the two cold Scorpios smoked crack with Ken Shamrock. I think <laughs> Scorpio is drunk or high in this match. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, because the, ECW, the ECW locker room was like a fucking pharmacy. He's kind of like slow making decisions and moving around. And and it just keeps going. Like, And I feel like yeah. he's just picking moves off the top of his head. You well, know? also, well, also one thing that's uh, that I want to point out is that this is Two Cold's final ECW match because no he way. was going to he was making the move to go to WWF to be Flash wow. Funk. Wow, that's why I thought he was a funky black guy, Flash Funk. Okay, um, that literally was his character in WWE. I after I said that, I was like, was that? It was a bad thing to say. Was that yeah. inaccurate or racist? I was like, no, it's just accurate. That's how W. That's how Vince McMahon portrayed the guy. <laughs> I thought he was cool in WWE anyway when I was a kid. Um, so uh, Mikey Whipwreck isn't happy. He wants to give the belts back. Cactus Jack's like, no, I'm your tag team partner now, and you're the TV dude. Um, I didn't even know there was a storyline in this match. I thought it was just random, but they sort of mentioned that Cactus well, has been tag- bugging Mikey Whipwreck or something. Yeah, well, they had been tag team partners previously in 1994. Oh, wow. uh, and I think I think that they had won the tag team championship as well. Uh, this is whenever Mikey was even greener than how he came across here. Yeah. So this was exceptionally weird. It, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's like good, but it's not bad either. It's not bad, and it was it was really entertaining, right? It was like. I'm glad that I have seen Mikey Whiprock versus two gold Scorpio for three titles. <laughs> like, what the fuck was that? So yeah, weird. That this might be the weirdest insane. random match generator pick we've gotten, and we've gotten some weird match picks, right? Mm, I mean, it's up there. I'd say it's up there. I'd, however, I'm uh, applauding the random match generator for giving us random matches. Like you're on it, you're on a fucking yeah. roll. No, I'm not. I'm not saying. I think it's good that this is weird. I think this is weirder than remember the um, what was that like a uh, mid south eight man? <laughs> oh, the <laughs> Sandar Akbar match or whatever. Oh, the the, the tough the uh, whatever. Yeah, the, like, eight yeah. Tough, eight tough guys. Yeah, eight tough guys or whatever. Uh, that match was weird. This match was way weirder. Yeah, it was, actually. This was a fucking weird match. It's rare, I think, in wrestling, especially today, to see a match this weird. True. Um, True. And I'm never... I, I, I'm I bummed out that I don't know anyone else, like, alive, personally, to talk to that would get a kick out of two gold Scorpio. Like, it's just you. <laughs> like, I could... It would take me, like, five minutes to explain it to my brother, and he would just be like, oh... Okay, and he watched wrestling growing up with me. He's well, coming over I to mean, watch SummerSlam, and he still wouldn't give awesome. a shit. So I can't be like at work and be like, "Hey, you know what happened the other day? Here's the story of Two Gold Scorpio. Isn't that funny? No <laughs> one's gonna care. No one will give a shit." And I'm bummed well, out. You know, well, you know who will give a shit? Who is our loyal three out of three falls listeners? Yeah, guys, I hope you enjoyed this. The tale of Two Gold. And um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. This is it for us. Jason's got to go. I think we're done. Uh, yeah, I think right. we're oh, done. Oh, hey, did you like the what? matches this week? I think we liked all three of them in a way. We did. We did. We liked all three of them. And also, all three really fucking uh, snug matches. Yeah, I think the last one, uh, was be- it was because someone was drunk. <laughs> I really think he was going overboard. Yeah, and Mikey I mean, was just probably, like, "Hey, I'm I'm a company right. guy, you know. Like, I'll go with the yeah. flow here." But uh, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, it was wild. Yeah. I hate to say that a guy was drunk in the ring. That's a mean, shitty thing to say about a guy. Also, the Scorpio drop, Whew. a little rough, a little rough. Thanks for listening. Oh, go to tootf.tumblr.com to uh, <laughs> look at our blog. Um, <laughs> we'll post the links to the matches if you have the WWE Network and if you don't 
they are, might be on YouTube or Dailymotion. I find those links for you. You just click and uh, you get to watch the match. It's pretty cool. And send us totally. some questions and uh, do other stuff like that. Make fun of us. I don't know. Say hey. You can say hey. I always tell you to do mean things. And Jason's like, you could be nice. That's pretty much our dynamic. Joe. All right. <laughs> on that you're note, the heel. You're the heel. I'm the baby face. Oh, yeah. I, well, I do pick shitty matches to watch. And then uh, <laughs> I say I dislike your good matches sometimes. So, yes, that would make me the heel in this in the, in this uh, scenario. But, you know, hey, one one of these days, hey, double turn. Yeah, that'd be that's gonna be crazy. That's gonna be crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hey. Also, this might we might be getting ahead of ourselves here, but um, we are going to see Hell in the Cell this year, and uh, maybe oh, around that cool. time we'll have a like a live show preview or something. Live show. Oh, we... that's crazier than I thought. I was gonna say, um, a show that recorded of us in the same room. <laughs> I don't know how to make a live show. But we could try. We'll fi- we'll figure it out, man. We'll do some we research. We got time. Hey, we just posed the challenge to ourselves. Thanks for listening. Yeah, Bow we'll down. see you guys in two weeks. See you in two Bow weeks. Down. Yeah. Bow Bow. 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 Bow.